Control, this is Agent Olgren. I need a request to open up cell 311. Free me podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Thomas Freeme. Welcome back to the Freeme Podcast Show. Um, today, I have a special guest, Mr. DJ Vodica. Uh, I do want to say you guys know me by now and you know that my moniker is there are no such thing. You know, there's no such thing as a good cop. But if there was one man that could argue against that and has a proven record to show that it's Mr. DJ Vodica. Now, I have been reading his book, The Green Wall, the past couple of days and what i appreciate the most about this is the fact that it's it's completely unbiased and transparent um just from an officer's point of view and uh just even down to the naivety which i'll get into some of from the aspect of a convict so um without further ado introducing mr dj vodica hey thomas thanks for having me on and, and connecting we haven't done it in couple months because you were trying to reach out to me but yeah I, I just want to uh, share you my story and my uh, my career within the Department of Corrections in California and, and what I had endured and what I had to do and, and just stand up to do the right thing you know this this is a this is a serious subject to prison reform in, in, in the United States is a huge topic right now and, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good officers in there but there's a lot of bad officers that are getting hard on on people who want to do their job. And, and I was one of them, you know, they made it hard on me for, you know, I wanted to do my job, but I, I stood, stood alone, you know, and I had to do the right thing. And it's all about the, the human race, you know, and, and that's how it, how, how it came upon. Well, and that's, that's what I'm going to kind of want to delve into a little bit as well, because, you know, me being the convict I was, I associated with the police very little, but I knew that I knew that they had a job that they were there to do. And, and I didn't want to interfere with that as, as little as possible. And as you describe in the book, like some of the interactions and the training that you go through um, is, is completely true, you know? Um, So again, the transparency is, is, is is remarkable and I appreciate it greatly because I am a man of truth at this moment and and I really want the the citizens to understand the truth about us inmates the truth about officers the truth about our our police our system our criminal justice system the truth about prosecutors and the only way to do that is to be like how you were in this book just completely transparent open about what you saw and you gauged it logically against your upbringing and what you were taught from your parents, you know, and, and it just didn't add up. And you knew that you had to say something because honor meant something to you, 
right? And and it still means something to you apparently because this this career that you you wanted so badly for yourself, you you've you've sacrificed in the name of truth and honor. And and I respect the hell out of anybody that is willing to to make that sacrifice in in the name of truth. So yeah, Thomas, you know, I mean my, my childhood was awesome. You know, my, my dad was uh, in the military. He retired out of the military. And, and uh, I grew up in a small community in California, in Camarillo, California, which is about 50 miles north of Los Angeles. And, you know, and I always wanted to be some type of in law enforcement. I was really intrigued. I used to do ride-alongs with a, a guy across the street who was a deputy sheriff and, and a, when I was a teenager. And I, I wanted to get into this career. You know, I really wanted to get into it. And, and shortly after I graduated high school, I attended a, a junior college in California, Moorpark College, and, and played college basketball there, and then had a degree in criminal justice, and went on to a, couple, a school on a scholarship for basketball in Texas. And, you know, I, I played there for about six months a year. I sort of got burned out, and then I came home, and I joined the United States military. You know, I, I went because uh, law enforcement at the time, there was a hiring freeze for everything. They weren't hiring back in the uh, in the uh, the 80s, you know, 80, uh, 83, 84, you know, they weren't hiring. So I entered the uh, United States Army and I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I was uh, detached to a Green Beret unit, Special Forces unit at Fort Bragg. I did four years there. And then about a year before I got out, my dad sent me an application for the California Department of Corrections because at that time, the prisons were expanding huge because the third strike was coming into effect. And LA County jails were overcrowded and they need to move these guys into, into the prison system. So they started building prisons. And when I, a year before I, uh, I got out, I, I filled an application out. And, and about two months before I got out, I had a test date. I had to get home and I started testing for the Department of Corrections. And after I tested, I got hired. And my first duty assignment after the academy at, at Galt, we, we did an academy for six weeks, but now it's like an eight, uh, no, 16 week academy. I ended up at the famous Corcoran State Prison. Uh, I activated that prison in uh, 1988, and that, that's when my career started. So, w- was it was it that you wanted to be, get into corrections because you saw that you could you could fit in there and 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 do something, or was it that just corrections was a government job and and you were leaving one government job and filling it with another? Well, that you know, I was young. I mean, I was. 25, I think, when I went in, 24, 25. And, and yeah, I just wanted a job. You know, I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. that mentality. I just wanted to get in and, and, and get a good job, a good paying job that would, would benefit my career and my life later on in my life. So you had no idea of the hell that you were getting ready to get into. That's correct. No idea. I mean, I, you know, when I, I was a fish, and they, they call us a fish. And, you know, a, you know, the inmates and convicts, hey, there's a fish walking, here's a fish, and you guys... Let's test them. Let's see if we can uh, get on them and get over them. Maybe they can uh, work for us or whatever. And, and I, I didn't believe, I didn't adhere to that, you know. But uh, you're, you're coming in that academy. You're, you're coming into an environment with these guys, the convicts have been doing time for practically their whole life before you even born, you know. And, and uh, they want to try to try to work you, and, and that's what they call you a fish. Well, that's what I want to share a little bit, a, a little excerpt out of the book. So... You, you quote here, you say, I can remember the night before my first day as a yard officer. 
out of the tower on the ground amongst the inmates, I couldn't sleep. I kept going over in my mind all the warnings I've been given by the academy instructors about dealing with inmates. Don't tell them anything about yourself. Don't wear your wedding ring. Don't talk about your girlfriend or your kids, what kind of car you drive, where you live, nothing personal. They've got friends on the outside. They'll remember you for years. They've got nothing to do but watch you. They can read lips. They'll never let up if you look like a victim, never show fear. Now, this is what was instilled into you at training, right? So you're going on as a naive kid into this, into this gladiator type arena. And this is the, the, the mentality that they tell you. After all the years of spending as a corrections officer now, do you still believe in this training, this, this ideology? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, in, if, Thomas, I, I do believe in that for a reason, because in the academy, they, 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 yeah, they drill that into your heads, you know, don't share information, you know, with, you know, as far as, you know, that information you share. Like, you know, the thing about the wedding ring, you know, I mean, that, I mean, we wore, people wore wedding rings and all that, but, you know, talking to them on a personal basis and letting them know where you live and what kind of car you drive and all that. Yeah, we, we were trained that way but the officers and the uh they lose that training thought when they get in and they do discuss some officers do discuss their personal lives with the convicts and inmates and all that you know they, they have that rapport because they trusted the convicts and inmates but then again some of the convict inmates wanted to get information on them because later on it can come back and bite them on the street so you have it's a pick and choose type of thing that's who you who you want you know i, I was comfortable around the convicts and inmates and I shared them, you know, as much as information I could, you know, but come to my personal life, you know, I, I didn't share who my family was, what my wife was named, that kind of stuff. But I told them where I grew up at and what I did. And, you know, I mean, they're human. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, I want to keep everything confidential for them. But they do install that in the academy. So then you continue on saying, in the morning, I unwrap my brand new Class B green so I'd look the best. The shirt was straw colored with a departmental patch on the shoulder. The twill pants were olive, not drab olive like the U.S. Army, but lush olive like a, with a gold stripe down the seam. In my shirt pocket, I placed two gold pens that matched the, paints, the pants stripes exactly. I pinned on my badge and my mo of my most proud possession. And then you go on to say... Uh, you go on to continue, you continue on to, to describe as you enter the yard about the inmate and how you were received, right? And, uh, and go ahead, go ahead. No, go, no, what was you gonna say? Go ahead. No, yeah, we, I always like to be highly clean, highly decorated, highly groomed, highly professional, you know, that even to this day I'm that way. Um, you know, I, I, I wore, that was our class A uniform. We, that's our, our class A with the piping down the side, our, our gold pins, you know, I, I wanted to be professional because that's the, the thing I perceived on the inmates that who saw me as being professional and not a slob or a, you know, some guy that doesn't take care of themselves. And we had officers like that, that came in there with the wrinkles on the uniforms, boots weren't shined, you know, 
you know, that's, that's how I proceed. That's how I wanted to proceed. I'm glad you said that. So let me, let me break all of this down from a convict side now. So I'm specifically talking about Marvin Lloyd and how he, he received you in the book, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm putting myself in that and I'm, and I'm looking at you and I'm walking and I'm seeing this guy come in, pressed to death with his belt, got his confidence from his new uniform. This is how we're looking at him. So yeah, to us, it's, it's funny because we're sitting there and just like how you say, man, like, look at this fish, man. He has no fucking idea what, what, what's going on, you know? And, and there's so many different angles because like, yeah, now say I'm sitting in my bed and I'm thinking about it last night and I'm like, let me, let me think of a scenario how I could use this fish, right? There's the scenario of this fish so the the viewers can understand how we think as as far as convicts and how we would use uh mr vodka's naivety in those moments so we see this guy he's coming in we know that he's bolstered up with his new uniform and his pens are all aligned i mean we spot all of this stuff how shiny his boots are because one this is a new person coming into our environment right First and foremost, as you just described about the, 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 the clothes and the demeanor, first and foremost, when you're coming in the way that you're coming in, we already know. First, we're going to say, okay, this guy's a fucking walker, right? Here's a guy that takes his fucking job. He's got pride in his shit. He's going to be walking the unit. He's going to be harassing us. This is the first thing that we spot about you, right? And, and see, a cat like me, because I, I, I was never a quote unquote speaker, I was always somebody that was always referred to, right? And and I had very, very manipulative ways because I was always a smooth talker. I'm a very articulate person and I'm and I'm very observant, you know, observant of, of the wedding ring and things like that because these are things that I use to break the ice with officers to extract information from them, as you say. So I see you, you go into your office, I'll step to you. Hey, Vodka, what's going on, man? You're new on the job, huh? You know, you're going to respond, hey, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detect that nervousness from you. Now, I know, first and foremost, if I have weapons that are planted in a, or, or another gang, let's say, has weapons that are planted in a storage department that maybe the head orderly that's that's part of this gang only has access to that storage. I'm going to know that Vodica really doesn't know that. You know what I mean? And I'm going to take advantage of his naivety by stepping to him. Hey, how's it going, officer? Listen, I'm an old con in here. Listen, this is a quiet dorm. And I'm just going to break the ice with him and appear to him like I'm, I'm trying to help him ease into his job. You see what I'm saying? And then I'm going to throw something out there maybe in that conversation or later depending on how the conversation goes. Hey, Vodka, listen, I need to get into the storage closet real quick. You know what I mean? Do you mind if I get in there and grab some, some bleach or whatever? A lot of times, because I've already stepped to him in this demeanor that I stepped to him, he's going to say, yeah, sure. You know, because he's also trying to break the ice with the inmates as well. So these are some of the instances where when we see a quote unquote fish coming into the, into the institution, we will, we will use that against them as well. And, and I, and I paint that portrait because this a lot of times is how these guards get burned themselves because they'll come in like Vodka will come in and he'll open the storage unit 
and we'll have the, the weapons taken out or whatever. And then a whole situation will ensue from there that'll go all the way down into custody, why he opened the door as such, and, and so on. So that's going to sever those burns or sever those ties between trust between guards and, and inmates. This is how that occurs. Would you agree with everything that I just said? Yeah, but then again, after that trust, you know, I have that trust in you, you know, I mean, just because I wear the uniform, that's material. That's all material. I don't care about that. It's how I, how we talk to each other, how we have set that demeanor, how we talk to each other. And yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're new on the job and sometimes we'll turn to our, our, our partners who have time and, you know, been partners for a few years. And usually we ask them and they say, yeah, yeah go ahead. You know, our, our partner, senior cops will say, yeah, go ahead, go open the door for him. He's, he's a good guy. He's, he's a good convict. You know, just go open the door, not knowing what you're going to do. But after you did what you did, and, you know, and then later on, I learned from my other senior officers or learned from this that, you know, I, I can't trust you anymore, you know? I mean, that's the mentality we get, you know? You, you sort of set me up for a, a fall, you know, what, what was going to happen later on, I probably got disciplined for it or whatever, but then that trust between you and me or whatever conflict, we lost it. So if you ever came up to me and asked me, hey, Vodica, can you, my answer right to you is going to be no. And if, if you keep on proceeding, pumping, you know, going your way, and I tell you no, and I get firm with you, and, and you keep on going, then, then you're going to be subject to a discipline, so I had that trust a lot of, a lot of the convicts didn't do that to me, what, what we, just that little scenario mm -hmm. you did, because I had that report, I was a kitchen officer at, at, at Corcoran, I was a, a shoe kitchen officer, security housing kitchen officer, I had a 30-man crew, all different races, these guys, I had to pull them from one of the yards every morning, bring them over to the shoe kitchen on the other side of the fence. They loved working for me and my partner. They loved it. We took care of, we took care of business. We fed 2000 shoe inmates in the morning. And these guys, they, they, they really liked working for us and they didn't want to quit and they didn't want to go to school. We had guys when we walked on the yard, convicts on the yard, hey Vodica, we, we know you got a great tight crew. You, you take care of business, you got respect from all of us. I can, you, can I get a job from you? I said, well, give me your name, you know, and, and that's all the respect we had later in life. But you, you're right. As a fish, we're, we're all brand new, man. We're, we're learning. It's a learning experience. We, we forget everything we learned at the academy. We come into an institution, we're going to learn from the senior cops, you know, and we're going we're to hear from them. And, and that's how that trust builds between the officer and the convict. You know, if they have that trust, you know, like you can't share personal information and all that, but you have that trust. That res it's called respect. Well, the reason why I painted that scenario is because I, I don't, I'm not, I try to be like how you were with the book is, is open and transparent from both sides as I can. And I want my, my viewers and, and subscribers to understand why cops or CEOs tend to do the things that they do as well, you know? Um, so sticking with that scenario so it's very plausible after you receive, and, and we're speaking generally, not about you or your character, but an, an officer, once that scenario occurs and, and that officer receives disciplinary action, how plausible is it of retaliation? And what would that retaliation look like? Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as an officer retaliation on the inmate? On the inmate that, that got him in, in the trouble to begin with. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going he's gonna to do it the either the illegal way or, or the right way. And he's going to make 
make that convict or that inmate life miserable during his time. You know, he's, he's not going to trust him. He's, everything he wants is no. He's going to bird eye him. He's going to watch him. Every minute he does something wrong, he's gonna, he or she is going to be on top of him and, and, and just put discipline on discipline. And sometimes these cops and uh, cops and officers would, would uh, actually just keep on drilling, drilling until the inmate reacts and physically assaults him. You know? and, and then when, we, when they physically assault him, then that inmate's going to end up going to add sag and shoe and doing more time. But the officer, provo- you know, the officer provokes stuff. There's a lot of officers that and cops that provoke stuff just because they wear a badge. You know, you know they can do do no wrong. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of officers and staff that provoke inmates, and, and they shouldn't do that. And the inmates, uh, they have nothing better to do. They're doing life or time, and they're, they're going to assault the cop either. You know, beat them up, stab him, kill him, whatever. But that that's going to happen. I appreciate you saying that, and and you seem like you're you're reasonable and you're logical and you're of sound mind to me. So within saying that, let me ask you how much mental health is, 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 is affiliated with the prison life as far as just the administration, the staff. I mean, how many unstable individuals have you ran across through your career? Um, you mean officers or inmates? Everybody, just everybody intertwined within the prison structure. As far as the officers, you know, would you find it true that that you that a deranged psychopath? Well, that that the prison scheme is is a breeding ground for psychopathy is what I guess I'm trying to say. You'll have officers that'll go get a job because they know that they can go in there and just beat on inmates. You know, and then, of course, we have inmates that are inmates because of some of the atrocities that they've done, you know, and then, you know, uh, uh, this the sadist warden that allows all of these things to occur, you know, how 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 much of that have you seen in your career? Well, it all talks about in the book, Thomas, the green wall. That's that's where the green wall comes in. These guys are, you know, sadists. They, they have the controlling of the, of the warden told them to put fear and intimidation to these inmates, you know, do what you got to do. These convicts and inmates aren't going to run my prison. And, and these but officers have mentality. Your book, covers, huh? your book covers one prison or, or two, or, you know, just several prisons. So is this plausible in prisons all across America? Is there, is there an untold amount of green walls going on? Yeah. Uh, you know, I do a little research. There's there's stuff going on all across America. You read all the time about officers abusing inmates and killing inmates, and officers being walked off the prison grounds by the, the FBI or federal or, or termination. But you know, it's it's these officers. Yeah, it's an ongoing problem, an ongoing issue, and and it, it has to come to a cease somewhere because uh, it's getting out of line. I mean, I, I'm just surprised I haven't seen a full blown riot or a takeover in the California Department of Corrections because. These officers are doing the wrongdoing on convicts and inmates and that have real bad mentality. And you know, they work them. They work them because they know they're, they're not going to do no wrong. Because who are the courts going to believe when they take down an inmate? Who are the courts going to believe? They're going to believe the officer before they believe the inmate. I mean, come on. That's, that's just a given. And uh, that's and why again, they have these. And again, I appreciate you saying that because, again, what we're doing is we're, we're again, we're exposing what media media is part in this 
and and just how you said the 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 stigma that because you hear that there's a riot going on that the inmates are out of control we're animals and we need more enforcement more lockdown more adx's more supermaxes things of that nature and media uses that to to create the stigma in the people's minds so they pass these bills and 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 it's all accounted for and what I'm trying to expose is the fact, like the Lucasville riots that I'm covering on, on some of the other uh, episodes. And, and now, as you just described with these riots, is inmates, listen, man, we don't want no problems. Our life is fucked up enough as it is. We're separated from our family. Our thought process is fucked up. Yeah, you have gangs that have agenda inside of prisons, but for the most part, People are really trying to correct their lives. They just don't know how to. And we're put in these situations where we're dealing with these, these guards being dicks. You know, the food is horrible. The way that we're treated and talked to is horrible and so on and so forth. It creates animosity to the point to where like, you know what? The only way that we're going to get attention about what's going on inside of this prison is to start fucking bucking. You know what I mean? And hopefully we can buck enough to where we get news media coverage and then we can get some, this is how we think. And this is, these are some of the things that we discuss and we talk about because it doesn't stop. The food doesn't stop. I, I was, I was, I was involved in an incident where I was transferred from Texarkana to three rivers because I got an altercation with officers in the chow hall on hamburger day. Right now, I was fed up because we kept getting, we're supposed to get a proportion amount of food. That's law, right? It's constitutional law. And we weren't getting that to the point to where we're taking, we're taking measurements of the food and we're showing it and they still won't do anything about it. And there's one day I snapped, right? And, and I just had enough. And I went to the, to the, to the, uh, the food manager which was a female. It was widely known from inmates that was working in the mess hall, like how you say, right? And you can, you can verify things that I say. She was having uh, multiple, multiple guards coming in and out of her office. Is this something that the inmates would be privy to that information? Would they know multiple guards coming in and out of the, the, the food administration you know, office? Yeah, I mean, officers went, went in all the time, and they had that free will. They, you know, you, you can't just stop an officer going where they want. The food manager call them in. They'd go in there, and they'd discuss what's going on. And, you know, the officers can tell the food manager, hey, look, let's cut back on this, these, these guys' trades. Let's, they, can, they can do whatever. They control the environment. Right. So, and the inmates see I mean, it's up to them to adhere to it. Yeah, so, pardon me. Excuse me. So no, and 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 this is what I'm, and the inmates they see all of this going on. So it was it was just known that this this woman was having multiple affairs with guards that were coming in and out of her office, staying 30, 45 minutes at a time, such and such. So th the reason why I say that is because as I'm talking to this woman about the food and I'm telling her like this is bullshit. Like we're constantly complaining of this food. She tells me, you know. You don't complain about it when it's good. Don't complain about it when it's bad. At this time, one of these officers that frequently went into her, into her office came up behind me 
and told me to go sit the fuck down, right? So when he said that, I looked over my shoulder and I said, listen, whatever you and this chick's got going on, I don't have nothing to do with that, but don't ever come at me like that again, partner. And I turned back to her and when I did, he had grabbed my arm and tried to pull it to him. And I, I shifted, you know, I just turned my hip and shifted and he came over my hip. And when that happened, of course, I'm rushed. I took a step back and I tell the guys, I put my hands up as to come in and I'm like, stop. I said, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but just do not, do not manhandle me, please. You know, and this is again in the middle of the chow hall and hamburger day. So it's, it's packed, you know, it's full. So they try to diesel therapy me, you know, back in the, in the shoe. Thankfully I was on a, I had an appeal going. I had an attorney who ended up calling. That was the six month stint that I was telling you where I did in the shoe of Texarkana. So um, again, this environment is created to just make us hostile, make us violent, make us just, just lose our mind emotionally at times. And I, and, and, and I appreciate the fact that you, that you make that aware. Well, you know what, Thomas, just like you're saying, you know, I mean, I've seen situations that later on was when I was a senior cop, you know, I had a lot of time in it and we had brand new officers coming in from the academy and and these guys are brand new and, you know, they're coming on the yard and, you know, we're going to go and train them and all that. And I had a prime example. We had an officer, I don't, I forgot his last name. It could have been Garcia or Smith or whatever. And we told him, Hey, you, you treat respect. Give these guys respect and all that. You're going to get respect back. The minute you talk down to them and you throw them on the wall and you try to like be Mr. Macho, you, you got a badge and everything. And I told this guy, this young guy said, Hey, you know, just just watch what I do. Come walk through how I demeanor with these guys. You'll see the respect these guys got. They'll call me, hey, Monica, how you doing? And I wouldn't call me, hey, Convey, and hey, Smith, what's going on? Or you might call them, you know, I didn't call them by their first name. I always called them by the last name. You see how that works, you know? And, and he says, yeah, I see it. But I'm, I'm, he, his mentality was, I'm going to do it my way. Even though you're telling me, I'm going to do it my way. I said, well, fine, you do it your way. Well, I went home on my days off that day, Friday, I had my weekends off. I came back in on Monday and I said, hey, where's, where's Garcia? You didn't hear? You didn't hear? I said, no, what happened? He got assaulted, man. He, 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 he took it upon himself to, to, to manhandle and, and talk down to these convicts that have been doing time. And these, these new cops fish, they won't listen. You know, they won't listen to senior cops that have been around, you know. And, and he had it coming. He, he, got, he got jumped, got beat up pretty good. And, you know, the inmates well, got sent to Adsag and Shoe. But in my, in my, he had it coming. And I told, I told all the officers, he had, hey guys, he had it coming. You know, you don't come into an environment where these guys are doing time and, 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 and flex your muscles and do what you got to do. You know, it's all about, like I said earlier, respect, 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 respect. You're absolutely correct. And, and the way that I looked at it, and a lot of us convicts looked at it, is like, who the fuck is this dude here, right? Like, what do you know? You know what I mean? Like you, you come here for eight hours and you think that you're in here doing time with me. You know what I mean? You get to go home and you get to relax and you get to unwind and you get to have a drink with your buddies. We don't, you know? So when these officers would come in there with that demeanor, you know, like they're a convict like us, they would tell they, these dickheads would tell me, you know, Oh, I've been doing time for 15 years. What the hell are you talking about? You know, it was the respect. And like you said in the book, right? I always respected an officer that referred to me as inmate, because that's what I was. I was an inmate. 
address me for who I am and what I am in that moment. And I'm going to do the same with you. I'm either going to call you boss man or I'm going to call you CEO. I've had some tell me, listen, I'm not your boss. Don't call me that. I respect that. I'll call you CEO. You know? See, that didn't bother me. I mean, I had convicts who basically, hey, boss man, what's going on? Hey, hey CEO. Hey, hey, a lot of them would call me last. Hey, Vodka. Hey, boss man. Even, even here on the streets, when I'm here in the community, you know, where I'm at, I go take care of some business, you know, uh, personal business. And some people that, who are working in different environments, hey, boss man, how you doing? Hey, you know, it sort of clicks, you know. I mean, am I thinking, hey, had this guy done time or whatever? But I don't care, you know. It's just that's the, the meter they, they, they came up in. But it didn't bother me. I mean, I, it didn't bother me at all. But, you know, I mean, what really bothered me is is when we talk about the green wall, when you read your talk about that green wall, because that, that really bothered me. And, you know, and I was, a, I was an officer, senior officer, and uh, I got thrown under the bus by the warden. And I, I'm not going to allow that to happen. So, Well, that's what I'm going to get into now. I, I just want to establish a character base of sort of your reputation within the prison and, and the, the convicts, the inmates, because it's, it's important. Well, Thomas, let me t- I'll tell you right now on that. I told the convicts and inmates, they knew me. I was a straight shooter. You know, I wasn't by the book. You know, yeah, you know, I, I didn't write a lot of discipline. And I did a lot, you know, I mean, I tried to talk to these guys verbally, counsel them. Hey, man, you, you fucked up, dude. You know, you know, try to do the right thing. Go the right way, you know. But if it was a serious in nature, yeah, I had to act on that. But, you know, they're doing stupid things or out of bounds or whatever. Instead of putting paper, I'm just talking to them, you know. And sometimes I went up to the shot callers of that group and I said, look, hey, so-and-so is like, doing stupid things, you know, well, yeah, I bought them. we'll talk to them, we'll talk to them. And then the next day or two days, that convict would come up to me or inmates say, hey, Vodka, thanks, I really appreciate it, man. So I let them work it out, you know, instead of me working it out. But um, it's all about, you know, just, just allow that to happen. And, and that, and see, again, the reason why I'm, 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 I'm spending time on this, because this, this is a roadmap. This is how inmates, convicts, and guards are supposed to associate with each other on the front line, just like that. You know what I mean? I should be able to come to you because I'm, I'm hustling as well. I have a family to feed, you know? I should be able to come to you. Hey, Vodka, listen, man, I'm gonna run tattoos today. Is that okay with you? You know? And you and may say- That didn't bother me. And that didn't bother me because you know what? You're, you're gonna do it anyways, you know? I mean, that's a minor offense for me, you know? And, and this is the thing is, is again, that, that comes to that trust of knowing that I can even come to you with my hustle. You know what I mean? Because it's, again, it's contraband. And by all means, you could say no, and I'm coming to search your cell right now. So, it, but I would know not to even approach you if that was the case. So. Well, the thing too, is that I tell Thomas, I tell these convicts your inmates when I was in, I says, remember this, you're the mouse, I'm the cat. If I catch you, and it's criminal activity, then you're going to face the consequence. Monica, total respect. If, if, if I caught an inmate bringing in drugs or dope, you got it coming, bro. You're, I'm going to nail you. I'm going to nail. I'm going to nail you, and I'm going to nail your visitor. You know, you know what right and wrong is. But if you can get away with it, then you're up. If you can get away, you're up on us. That's fine. But if I catch you, you know, you're going to have to face the consequences. And they all had no griefs about that. Okay, so I'm going to start off reading these names. And all I want you to do is just, um, you know, just tell me yes or no that they're involved with the green wall currently has been um, and such. So most of these I know from reading the book, but I just want to put the names out there. So we have Walter Faulkner. Yes. 
he, uh, he, he was part of the green wall and there's physical evidence on that and it's in the book and all that and yes, but uh, from what I understand, he's no longer with the Department of Corrections. I think he was terminated this past year. Okay, Anthony Ivanovich. Ivanich, yeah, he was, I don't think he was really a part of it, part of it. He was basically a follower, you know, type thing. He hung out with these guys. The Greenwald members were all part of the investigations unit, the ISU officers. You know, they were part of that unit uh, who investigate staff and inmates. So he was just more of a follower. You know, it was a good, I like Tony Anthony. He was, he never did anything wrong to me or said anything bad to me, but he just hung around with that group. Now, Thomas, I'm going to tell you something too. These guys were big guys. I'm talking, Ivanich was like 6'6", six, six, probably 360. I'm, I'm six foot five and 320. So we're big guys, you know. And some of these guys that were, you're describing, they're, they're some big, big guys, but he, he wasn't really, he was just, he hung out with the guys. Mm -hmm. Associated. Right. But see, again, how would I be if I, if I said the same thing that you said about me hanging out with, with the ABs or anything, how would I be perceived? As an associate, yeah, I mean, you would be like, you know, I'd be, I'd be labeled as an affiliate. It'd be in my, it'd be in my yeah. jacket as that I was, I might as well be part of the gang. Right. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Is that so? Okay. Michael Ruiz. Yes, most definitely. He's, he was in the book. We deposed him. I, I shot a, uh, a cell extraction video uh, the day we all have to line up before we did cell extractions in California you're on a video and you have to identify yourself and what you're doing, shield man, baton, whatever. He was the last guy and he, he said he was the leg iron guy. Right before he, he came on the video, he threw up a gang sign, what we call a gang sign, like a W. If you, you get your thumb, pull the middle finger down and, and you look at your pointing finger, your ring finger and your small finger, it looks like a W. And he, he threw it up on his chest and I'm like, right away, I knew that, what that was right away. That's, that's a green wall symbol. And, uh, yeah, when during my deposition with him, I can remember this, you know, when my attorney turned away and his attorney, he was like giving me the eye on the table. He even, you know, challenged me in a deposition. He goes, you want to, you know, like threw his hands up. You want, let's go. I said, well, let's go. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to back down, you know? So is yes, he a big he, guy too? Nah, he's five foot 10, probably 160 pounds, mm -hmm. but he was all mouth, you know, and he was, he was Napoleon part of the syndrome. Yeah, he was part of the CERT team, what they call a special enforcement re response team. They're like the SWAT on the streets, but inside, and he was gun ho and all that. And I remember going to the range one day to, to, to do shooting and qualify. And as I was walking to the room, he did the slap to a lot of officers, like, keep quiet, keep quiet, because I'm in the area. And, you know, I appreciate that. So, and I, is, I he's, like is he still active? Do you know? I, I don't know. I don't know if he's retired or all that. Okay. I, I don't know at this time. Michael Lashkoff. He's a good guy, Michael Lashkoff. You know, he's a good guy. He was he was one of the followers, and yeah, he was he was he was associated with the guys in the Green Wall. But I don't know if he did any any real criminal activity or stupid stuff. But he was a big guy and part of the ISU officers. And uh, you know, I from what I understand, he he left uh, the prison system and went into paroles. But I don't know if he's uh, most of these guys are probably either they're, yeah they're they're probably retired by now because they're up in age. You know. They're, I'm talking 15 years ago. So yeah, these guys are, are probably retired or, or living their lives now. So yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, I don't like that. Fernando Chavez. Oh yeah. He was, he was definitely part of the green wall and stuff. You know, he was, he had some cases against him and all that. And 
I think he was I think he was terminated. Let me take this call real quick. Sorry, okay. Hello? Hi. No, I'm gonna I'm pick you up and we're gonna do the coffee. So I'll leave here in about 15 minutes then. Okay. All right. Uh I got about 15 minutes, buddy. Yeah, that's sorry. Right. I can't edit that out. So, okay. So, yeah. uh, Sergeant Celia? Sergeant Celia. He was uh, the ISU sergeant at the time. I worked with him at Corcoran back in the day. And, uh, you know, he was part of the squad. And, and actually, these officers brought a, a buck knife into him and with a green handle on it and engraved on the buck knife. Hey, you, this is for you from the 723. And I don't think he, he was, he was just like, he wasn't a part of it or anything like that. He was just like, he knew about it. And he just, you know. Like, Somebody yeah. that had a certain amount of power that, that Greenwall could use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was that type of guy that, you know, I mean. Okay. He, he's, 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 probably, he's, yeah, he's he probably received benefits from. from oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, he, you know, the, he, that, those guys on the squad were part of the Greenwall. He was the supervisor of these guys. So he, he could have, he could have stopped all this from happening, Thomas. I mean. He, he had, he's a sergeant. He has a duty to stop this to happen. But, you know, he's, a, he's what they call the company man, the good old boy, you know? Yeah. Didn't want to screw up for get along, the, the get along gang. Right. So, Steve Archibald? Nah, he was just a, he was a follower. He was just like, you know, wanted to stick his nose into things like that. And he, he gave me some confidential information, and I, uh, I took it to the superiors and shared it with them. And he, he got kicked off the squad and, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a nobody. Okay, Sergeant Donahue? Personal good friend. I mean, we worked together at Pelican Bay. We were officers on the squad at Pelican Bay. We, we were at Corcoran back in the day. And uh, Personal friend. He was a squad sergeant down there in ISU. He knew these officers. And uh, he, went, he went for my back. He stood behind me in my death as a good guy, good sergeant. Uh, and uh, he... he, he, he he, he's not anything to do with part of the green wall. I mean, the officers hated him because they, they he took a liking for me mm -hmm. and uh, he passed away probably six or seven years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Andy Cariaga? Just a follower. Wanted to get his nose into business. Not, nothing to do with the green wall. He was just Mr. Know-it-all. He was part of the squad, but he wasn't a green wall member. He's retired. Officer Barbudo. He's a union man. One of the officers in the union wanted to stick his nose into everything and, and wanted to know everything about it, but uh, no, nothing to do with that. Officer Atkins? Same thing. He was just an officer on the line, no part of the green wall, just, you know, just likes to stir up shit with other stuff. stuff. Uh, Lieutenant Virtus Elmore? He worked for the warden at the time. You know, I worked with him at Corcoran and I worked with him at, uh, at uh, he was a squad Lieutenant, when he first activated that president, Salinas, I worked for him. You know, he was he was a nice guy, but no part of the Green Wall didn't, you know, but he uh, got terminated for doing drugs. Mm. Okay, and then we have Warden Anthony uh, Lamar Lamarque. He was the king, Anthony Lamarque. He's the one who threw me under the bus and got this whole book started and all this whole case going. I had trust in him. He ordered me to write a report about staff misconduct about the Green Wall. He called me up to the office and, and he asked me, hey, 
I, I want you to, uh, I need to know all these guys who the green wall is. Well, sir, I work with these guys. Well, I need a vodka. If you don't write your report, I'll have to give you a correct order. And I want to know my best Monday. So I typed up a three, two page, three page report, stamped it confidential, gave it to him. He's the one who threw me under the bus and, and showed these officers, Faulkner, Lashkoff, and all these other guys that I was a rat, I was a dead man walking. And I brought, I brought in, I brought all the investigations into that prison and had a lot of people uh, terminated, fired, and let go and, and started this whole ball rolling on the green wall. Do you feel like you're a rat? No, I did the right thing. You know, some people call me a rat, I don't care. I do it all over again, Thomas. I do it all over again. You know, these, you know, I had, I, like I said earlier, I wore a badge. I wore mm -hmm. a badge to protect and serve. People are human. You know, they made, I, we didn't send, I didn't send you to prison. The courts did, the jury did. You know, I mean, you guys are, you guys are human, but you know what? I had a job to do. And I, and, and, and I, I come up, I came up from a great upbringing, you know, more of my parents instilled in us. And you do the right thing. You'll, you always you look at yourself in the mirror and you do the right thing. You wake up in the morning and, and feel good about yourself. And that's how that, I, I learned that as a child, you know? Let me say this, and this is coming from somebody that took a code, lived by the code, went to trial, never ratted on nobody, walked through prison not ratting on nobody, don't believe I'm ratting, hate rats with a passion, right? I was ratted on in my trial by my friends growing up, all of these things. I know what a rat is. I know what a snitch is, right? Correct. When, when you have an individual, and again, this stuff needs to stop because, again, it's, it's just pressure being put on people, just normal American citizens that have a code, have a, an honor and believe in an American way of life, right? These are citizens that want, want just peace. Me being a criminal, I know that there are citizens out there like this, and it's up to me to avoid these people. Why? Because I know these people will call the police on me, because I know that these people will tell on me. They're not rats. They're just American citizens, right? They're just concerned citizens that see something wrong going on and they're calling the police. They're doing what they, you know, they're supposed to do. What you did, I would never call you a rat for. What I would call you a rat for is if you were involved in it any kind of way. If you were part of the green wall, if you were exploiting inmates, if you were capitalizing off them, if you're living in a big mansion from, you know, dealing drugs to inmates, things like that. And now you want to turn around because an investigation's out and you want to turn around and sell out your compadres. That is a snitch. That is a rat. That's correct. I never did that. I, these officers knew who I was. I came from Pelican Bay, a squad and all that. They knew I operated because I worked there for years with them. They had no trust in me, no part. And they knew if they did something wrong, I mean, I had, no, I had to report it and I did. And uh, no, they, they would recruit who they knew they can recruit. They'd have parties off, off prison grounds. This, uh, they call themselves the 723. The seventh letter of the alphabet is G. The 23 is W. And they call them the green wall. They, some of these guys tattooed that on their bodies and all that. And they, let's say they had a party on, uh, they want to have a party off duty on somebody's house. And this July 7th is a Friday. That's when they'd have a party. They'd meet groups of them. They would go there and uh, drink beer, have a good time. And they'll, they'll tell, they'll, they'll have their little meetings and they'll say, we need to target so-and-so. We need to target Thomas. Let's get him. Because he's going home in, in two weeks. He has been home for 20 years. He's already got two strikes. Let's go get him. So they waited like three days before he was getting ready to parole. They pull him out of the cell, handcuff him to the, the rail, 
they'd go in, those guys in the squad that you mentioned earlier, and they'd plant a weapon in their cell. Hey, well, come on now, this guy's doing, he's going to get third strike. Now he's not going home. The courts aren't going to believe him. They're going to believe the cop. And these guys had that mentality. They're the, they are the most feared prison guard gang in California. I mean, if other institutions throughout the United States see this and hear this, and officers, they're going to start forming their own little gangs. You know, I mean, that's it all started in California. You know, I mean, well, before we before we disclose this here, and I, I would love to con- you know connect with you again and 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 um and maybe get updates or whatnot. But where is this at as far as the investigation? Um, what do we need to do to to go after these individuals that capitalized off all of this that are living in their their retirement and their plush life? Well, um, everybody, everybody in my case that that's we can't go after them anymore because you know they're done. But but the ones that are happening now, the new millennials. The, after I testified in the Senate hearings, the state capitol, July twenty first, two thousand and four. I mean, all hell broke loose. But then after I did my book and investigations, people lost their jobs and terminations and all that. It went underground for about 10 years. Now you have these new officers coming in, the millennials. You know, these guys are coming in. They heard about the Green Wall. They taught them in the academy. They told about the Green Wall. They told them in the institutions. And now these new millennials coming in, officers, and they're starting to form this Green Wall again. And, and new Folsom State Prison up in Sacramento, a huge investigation going on you know, with the feds and, and the state agencies and all that, because it's an ongoing issue up there. There's been an inmate up there not too long ago. He was shackled, handcuffed, and then two officers part of the room while I took him to the ground. And two days later, he dies in the hospital, you know, because they took him on the ground for no reason. And then another, an officer that was part of the ISU unit uh, exposed corruption. And then uh, he couldn't handle anymore. And and, 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 there's, and he went home and committed, they say he committed suicide there and died. But they're linking that into the, the prison. You know, these officers are, are gave him, made, gave him some fentanyl or whatever. But he went home. There's an ongoing investigation. In San Diego, the RJD State Prison down there, there were uh, officers and Hispanic inmates took on officers. They were beaten down down there. A lot of officers had to go out and ambulance and all that probably six months to a year ago. And they were throwing up the green wall stuff. And, well, and the now reason- the, change, the changes are happening, Thomas. The federal feds came in this, Federal judges came in. Now they have to wear body cameras. Officers now have to wear body cameras in California, which is never heard of. They didn't want to do that. But now the federal, uh, the prisons are under federal control now. Yeah. And, and I know where that leads as well, because most of my time was up under the feds. And, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to wear body cams. Police have to wear body cams. We see all the shit going on with that. You know what I mean? Again, it's to me, it's, it's just pacification because there, there was an onslaught of, of public outcry coming about the, the prison system out there. Now, some of my biggest supporters and fans, listeners, are from San Jose area, right? And a lot of my listeners are prisoners, you know? And, you They've know, heard from, the Green Wall, Thomas. I guarantee if they've been tired. I've already, I, some of them are, have already reached out to me, trust me. Yeah, they, and now they're hearing it from the they're hearing it from the mouth of the person who exposed this corruption in the largest prison system in California. And, this is and, why I'm I, this is why I'm bringing you on. But but I, I, the most important point I'm trying to make is is inmates have been affected by this, as you said. These guys have planted weapons on on inmates that are looking at third strikes. 
and got a third strike because of what these in the, the these these fucktards have done you know what i mean and i want i want to know who those inmates are how can we get those things reversed is there any way that that these guys that have suffered and are still in prison that could have been home many years ago because of this corruption can we do anything for them well yeah if the inmates reach out to the right the lawyers and all that there's lawyers out there in california are, are, are okay do you know any of those these attorneys i've i've got some of them I, I can't give you their names right now but i've been they've been in contact there's a, a couple lawyers out of the bay area one couple lawyers out of the uh, sacramento area that are representing inmates as we speak okay i, I want to get i, I, I want to talk get, about that okay, you so. can't talk about that i can't get i can get me and you later when we talk later but not online i can give you the, the lawyers names that are representing inmates yeah, because I'll, 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 I'll send that on Twitter. Absolutely. Thank you, because I'll, I'll add links into it so these guys know how to contact. If they've ran into the green wall, any of these officers that I've mentioned that was confirmed by DJ Vodica, um, I will be putting a note, a link for you guys to connect to. Well, the thing is, too, you know what's sorry, Thomas, is after I wrote my book, I self-published in 2000. I, I controlled the rights to it. Um, I can't tell you who, what's going on, but they're talking about making it a feature film or some type of series. I can, that's the farthest I can talk about that. But in my book, it, it tells all, but my book was banned from entering the Department of Corrections in California. My book was not allowed. But you know what? It's not on the ban list in the Department of Corrections. They have to put out a ban list every year. It's, it's never been on there. It's just, you know, they, my book comes into the mail room, they're going to pull it. They're not going to allow it to go into the convicts. Some of my books have gone into prisons, and it stirs the pot with those with the people. But they banned my book. At least they quote banned it. But um, anyways, this is, I, I really appreciate this conversation with you and all that, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon again. But you know, I mean, would I do this all over again? Absolutely. People are human. We're, we're just, you know, just because they're a convict inmate and they did something wrong on the street, you know, you, you treat them with respect. I always treat them with respect, and I got that respect back. Yes, yes, I love, I love doing my career in the Department of Corrections. In my 16 years before I got out, I was assaulted one time by a mentality inmate who wasn't all there. I got gassed. But you know what? But other than that, I had the respect from everybody. You know, but... Uh, I had the officers, when I did what I did, they all turned on me except for my lawyer and, and a good friend of mine, Joe Reynoso, who's in the book and stuck by my side. But everybody else that I, who I thought were friends don't want nothing to do with me. And, and you know what? They weren't friends. And, and I had to experience that as well. You know, I had to go through my own trials and tribulations to understand what a true friend really is. But I, I in no way... Um, I, I in no way look down on anything that you've done. I applaud what you've done. There are people that are suffering because of this. Um, and these people, again, like I say, these are individuals. How can we rehabilitate ourselves when we're under the pressures that we're under? So this is, again, another episode that I'm bringing forth to try to expose uh, that rehabilitation is full of shit. That's not our agenda. Although it is shifting, it is changing. And I would like to see that progress and continue. However, there's still a lot of corruption at the expense of inmates. So, DJ, right. man. you know what? I, you know what, Thomas? 
I'm, I appreciate you putting that book out there and all that. And I think everybody who listens to your podcast, your viewers, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm promoting the book, whatever, but read the book because once you read the book, you're going to say, yeah, he, he did the right thing. And those mother, those fuckers, you know, yeah. So the book, the book is very powerful. No, it is. And, 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 and my listeners have the free me TV stamp of approval, because like I say, I try to bring unbiased honesty to my listeners. And, and that's what you've done with this book. Um, whether you like CEOs, you agree with them or not. This is just a transparent view from a CEO's eyes that really just wanted to go in and just do good and be just and what he found. So it's, it's worth the read just, just to understand what's really going on inside our prison system. So once again, thank you for being you, doing what you do, having the, the courage to stand up, the sacrifice, everything that you do in the name of what's right, partner. Thank you. You know, Thomas, and I really appreciate that little uh, graphic you did on YouTube. That's a killer thing, man. That was awesome, bro. I tell you, I'll be a designer. But you know what? Anytime we need to do this again, reach out to me, okay? Absolutely, partner. You take care. Stay safe, all right? All right, buddy. Bye-bye.